Blog Talk Radio. Oh, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page on the line. As the Nationals drop the series finale in Coors Field, 3-2 to two Rockies tonight. RBI single in the bottom of the seventh puts them ahead, and they keep the lead the rest of the way. The bullpen finally comes through for the Rockies. Dave, rather than start with the pitching this time, we'll get to that in a minute. Start in the seventh inning, 2-2 game at that point. Jose Reyes single knocks Max Scherzer out of the game. Carlos Gonzalez comes up facing Felipe Rivero after a tag play at first is challenged and not overruled. Reyes stays safe after it looked like he might have been out there. Carlos Gonzalez singles, opposite field single by third base where the Nationals were in the shifts. Um, puts two people on there at that point. Matt Williams goes for the matchup after that. Blings on Blake Trinan to face Nolan Arenado. Trinan with a sneaky kind of left the slider up but fooled Nolan Arenado with a 1-2 slider. Gets a called strike three there. Due up next is Ben Paulson, left-handed hitting first baseman for the Rockies. Matt Williams leaves Blake Trinan, who has a 322-398-471 line against left-handers in there. I will note that Blake Trinan has been very good since he came back from, from AAA. We discussed that the other night. He leaves him in the face of Lefty there. Gives up a go-ahead single on a 95-mile-an-hour 2-1 sinker. 3-2 Rockies at that point. So just to give you all the details here, you have a right-handed hitter in McBride do up le- next. Left-handed hitter Descalso after that. They did walk Carlos Gonzalez in the fifth with two runners on to load him up for Max Scherzer, who got two Ks after that to get out of the inning. They've got Matt Thornton in the pen. He was apparently available because he pitched the next inning. If you're Matt Williams, you're this time of year, the record they have, the kind of game you're in, you're looking for a sweep in Colorado, do you bring on another lefty, burn your second lefty in that inning? Do you leave Blake Trinan in there to face a left-hander when he struggled against him this year? Killing Matt Williams for this one, as we tend to do on occasion, or what do you think of the decision-making here and the results that they got? Well, as we have said all year long, when the offense is producing as little as it is, every mistake is magnified. And last year during his manager of the year campaign, a lot of Matt Williams' decision-making process, especially with regards to the bullpen, got covered up because the offense was producing um, and he had more margin for error. It, It seems like we're harping on Williams every single night, but that's because every single night, something that we can debate because the margin of error is so slim. Tonight, in my opinion, the bottom of the seventh inning, Matt Williams mismanaged that every single way he could. Um, he, he, he brought out he brought out Scherzer um, to, to start the seventh inning, which, which I suppose is defensible, but it was solely because it was a tied game and he was hopeful, hopeful to be able to score in the top of the eighth and get Scherzer a win. So that's, let's, let's, let's call, call it what it is. He was managing to the win, to the win category. Fortunately, fortunately, Williams did the right thing and, and lifted Scherzer when he was supposed to. Now, he went, went to Felipe Rivera, the lefty, um, because apparently in a tie ball game, Matt Williams simply is not going to use Matt Thornton, Drew Storen, or, or, or Papelbon. He's just simply not going to use any of the three of those guys and probably not Casey Jansen. So in a tie game, he's already bringing in his fifth and sixth and seventh best relievers, which is exactly what he did. Um, 
you know, Jose Reyes got the, got the single against Scherzer, fine. Uh, Scherzer's lifted. They bring in Felipe Rivera, who uh, might have a might have a promising career, but at this point, cannot be. Nobody can argue that he's not the the, the fourth or fifth or sixth best reliever in the bullpen. Went to him to face Carlos Gonzalez, who is one of the better hitters in the National League, and no one has been hotter since the All Star break. And of course, Gonzalez singles against him. So okay, so now you've got two on. It's defensible at this point to bring in Blake Trinan, um, who is probably your fourth or fifth best reliever in the pen, but very good against right-handed batters, to face Nolan Arenado. Trinan did the job and got Nolan Arenado, who's one of the best, the best hitters in the National League out. Blake Trinan is very, very good against right-handed batters. He holds them to a 180 um, average and about a 220 on base percentage. What's indefensible is allowing Blake Trinan, regardless of how good he has been since he came back from uh, getting sent down to the minors, to face a left-hander, any left-hander. I could go up there hitting left-handed, and Matt Williams should not let Blake Trinan face me hitting left-handed. You let him face Ben Paulson, who is a, a you know decent but not great left-handed hitting prospect, um, you know, first baseman, um, you know, you've got Matt Thornton. Obviously, he's available, as you said, because he did pitch the next inning. It's indefensible that he allows Blake Trinan to face Ben Paulson. Indefensible. But he lets him face it. Single to center. Reyes scores. And that's the ball game. I mean, literally, that is the ball game. So just get in his head there, though. What do, what do you think? I mean, I'm not going to... I don't know if asking you to tell me Matt Williams is thinking there is fair, but how do you justify that? How can a manager justify that? Just you don't want to burn your second lefty at that point. You bring on a righty who has better numbers against lefties. I mean, what are the options there in your mind? I'm sure. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that that his his defense is that that's what we have Trinan for. That, That it's his job to pitch in games in the seventh inning when it's tied over down by one. I'm sure that that's his rationale, that that's his job. And because he didn't get an out against the left-handed pitcher, he didn't do his job. But the manager's only job is to put players in a position to succeed. And having Blake Trinan face any left-handed batter, all lefties hit over 300 against it. Like I think, uh, I think the radio guys said, Lefties are hitting 322 against them and on base and close to 400. It's indefensible to allow Blake Trinan to face a left-handed batter. Yet Matt Williams continues to do it in high-leverage situations time and time again. Um, and, and as we've said time and time again, every single mistake, physical and mental, is going to get nitpicked because the offense is having having so much trouble consistently score runs, and, and that was the case again tonight. One mistake was the difference, and tonight's mistake was allowing Blake Trinan to face a left-handed batter. I did have that line in there, 322, 398, 471 for left-handers against Blake Trinan so far this year. That's all I could think about when I saw that matchup. I was like, this is not going to end well. It didn't end well, and I'm not a soothsayer. I can't see into the future, but I saw that one coming a mile away, unfortunately. Uh, We'll go back to the beginning and some positive news. Max Scherzer... Went right to the videotape after, I guess there's not videotape anymore, right to the video. I'll edit myself after his last start. It was a three-inning outing against the Giants in 18 Park, in which he gave up seven hits, two home runs, six runs total, and just three innings. 
said he spotted a flaw in his mechanics that caused his fastball to flatten out. He was working on that between the starts, apparently throwing a ball against the wall thousands of times to try to get the uh, muscle memory in there for him. 708 ERA, 306, 358, 645 line in his last three outings before tonight. Gave up eight hits, four runs, and six innings pitch versus the Rockies in D.C. earlier this month. Started tonight with three scoreless on 46 pitches. Rockies got to him in the fifth. Uh, three straight hits by opposing pitcher Johan Flande, who just popped one up over short outside of Ian Desmond's region in front of Jason Worth. Charlie Blackman and Reyes follow with singles of their own. one nothing at that point after an intentional uh, uh, walk loads the bases. Scherzer gets back-to-back K's there to get out of the inning. Uh, Flande again in the sixth, though, with a two-out RBI single over the mound, just a dribbler, well, chopper, I guess, gets over the mound, unplayable by the Nationals. He beats the throw to first, 2 nothing at that point. A uh, single in the seventh end, Scherzer's night, but a nice bounce-back outing from him. It didn't go the Nationals' way in the end, but a good start from Scherzer is a good sign. Ends up going six innings, eight hits, three runs, three walks, which you don't like to see from him, but... 7Ks, 103 pitches total, 69 strikes, an improvement over his last couple starts, if nothing else. Uh, it is an improvement over his last couple starts, and, and I'm willing to go that it was an okay start for sure. So I don't think it was particularly great. I mean, uh, he did have some bad luck there um, with the poor contact that found you know that found its way in, um, especially to the opposite pitcher. But uh, he gave up 11 base runners in six innings. That's not particularly all that good, um, especially no. from – from the top of your rotation ace, um, I, I think it's apparent. I mean, he can say that it was um, that it's that it's been mechanics the, the last couple of starts that that's that's uh, been the problem. But I mean, it's fairly obvious that um, that he is wearing down as the season goes uh, due to the workload that he had in the first half of the season from um, you know from from carrying this team. He, he's pitched a lot of a lot of innings. He's pitched a lot of high leverage innings. Um, and all you have to do really is look at the box score tonight to see zero 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 one one one. Obviously, as the game went on, he was becoming less effective. And as his pitches got to eighty and ninety pitches, um, you know there was nobody up in the pen. There was nobody up in the pen until um, until there in the seventh inning. And, and um, you know this is a guy that, that wants to be a workhorse, that wants to go out there. But um, if you look in his career history. Um, He's been a um, six and a third, six and two thirds inning guy his entire career. He, he's pitching a higher percentage uh, of the completion of, of his games uh, this season than he has at any time in his career. And I really think that, um, and I know this is kind of putting a fine point on it, but I really think that those um, back-to-back complete games where he gave up the one hit in the two games, I really think that's coming that's coming back. Um, it's coming back to bite him here in the late season. I just think that he pitched, he, he has pitched an awful lot of high leverage innings all season long, um, and he's wearing down as the season goes along. And do you think that's an instance of him trying to justify a contract and show that he can go deep in games when asked to and when he's available to, or the Nationals trying to stretch him out and get as much as they can out of him? I don't, I don't think that's probably the case in the first year of a seven year, $210 million deal, but. Uh, why uh, is it just the NL, line, NL lineups that allow him to get through it a little bit quicker on a lower pitch count? Well, I think I think all that has to do with it. I certainly think that uh, um, that he has heard um, the knock on him that, that he hasn't been able to deep, pitch deep enough into games. I think um, I think being able to face the shorter National League lineups 
um, it allows him to pitch a little bit deeper. I also think that um, part of it has to do with, uh, A, the bullpen construction, and B, the bullpen management. I mean, if you've got a choice of bringing Max Scherzer back out for the seventh inning at, at 94 pitches or whatever and going to Blake Trinan or Tanner Roark or Felipe Rivero or earlier in the season, uh, Matt Grace or, you know, other guys that probably don't have that particularly long a major league uh, shelf life, um, I think you, the manager's tendency is to stick with your ace um, a, as opposed to have some foresight um, realizing that, hey, this is a guy we need to have pitch, you know, 220 innings this year as opposed to, um, you know, pitching uh, 8, 9, 8, 7, 9, 8 in the middle of the season, that type of thing. Linger on Scherzer a little longer here just because I really liked what I saw from him in the fifth inning. Uh, three straight one-out hits for the Rockies. Uh, Johan Flande, as we mentioned, the single Charlie Blackman, Jose Reyes comes there. So they do intentionally walk Carlos Gonzalez, like I mentioned, but you just really love seeing the pumped-up Scherzer at that point. He just starts geeking up that fastball, challenging hitters. He blows Nolan Arenado and Ben Paulson away, stalking around the mound and then off of it the whole time. That's just when you really got to love this guy as, as a baseball fan and uh, someone who likes pitching as much as I do, just really seeing him kind of turn it up when he has to there. We've seen it all season, but just another perfect example of what he can do when uh, his back's against the wall and he has to come out swinging. He does come out swinging and really turns up the heat. Oh, no doubt about it, and it's very entertaining to watch. And like you said, he has been doing it all, all season long, and that kind of uh, ties into my earlier point about having to have pitched all these high leverage innings um, early in the season, in the middle of the season as we go along, um, eventually going to take its toll. I mean, it can't it can't not eventually take its toll. I mean, you know, he, he's having to, um, you know, obviously he's having to exert more. Um, we know scientifically that it's easier for pitchers to get injured the longer they pitch in games and the longer they pitch in seasons. Um you know, it, it's great theater to watch him to, to watch him get geeked up. You know, to to to, to, to pitch in these high leverage situations. I just I'm not sure how good it is for him long term um, to have to be pitching in so many of those situations. As we've mentioned from the start and several times throughout this show, though everything gets magnified when you're not producing much offense and not producing offense against Johan Flande is fairly unforgivable at this point. Two and one in twelve games, four starts this season, four one nine ERA, five oh four fifth, two sixty eight, three thirteen, four seventy line against and thirty eight and two thirds innings pitch. I'm rush, rushing through this, but gave up three run three runs and three home runs and four and a two four and two thirds in D C earlier this season during the Rockies visit to Washington. Uh, just two hits off them through six scoreless though, seventy four pitches. They weren't making them work for it all that hard either. Uh, scores the first run in the fifth, drives in a run in the sixth, two nothing, and he's outscoring the Nationals to that point and shutting them out. But a two out walk to Zimmerman, Michael A. Taylor comes up and hold on one second as I flip the page here. Uh, first pitch fastball, Taylor just jumps all over it, a 493 foot uh, home run to center at that point, ties it up at two. That's a really huge blast by Michael Taylor there, and one that seemed for a minute like it might lift the Nationals and kind of build a momentum towards the win there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I believe the technical term for that is he hit the crap out of it. Um, he's he's got a tremendous amount of, of raw raw talent. Um, he's still, um, you know, learning what it means to be a major league baseball player. But 
Um, he, he's definitely a guy that's got an awful lot of talent, and, and it's fun to see him uh, really connect in one. And it's just like the, the Desmond home run the other night when he really got a hold of it. Um, you know, the, the balls fly farther in, in course field than any other park in the country, um, but that but you still have to to really make really solid contact on it and 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 get have the right elevation, the right backspin on it. So it was it was it was a fun thing to see. It, it's tough to. Um, to see him make make it out there in the in the ninth inning when um, you know when when the Nats were trying to to get back in it, but um, you know to go back to your to your larger point, we've made fun of Johan Flande um, on this show before that is sounding like a, a Belgian dessert, but um, the the kid's a, a pretty decent pitcher, but when you've got two matchups in two weeks, Max Scherzer against Johan Flande, um, and don't win either of them, you know you've got bigger problems. And I think that point at the end there, too, is key. Bryce Harper singles to start the ninth inning off of John Axford, who was really dialing it up, hitting 99 on the radar gun, which I haven't seen from him in a little while. But Yunel uh, Escobar, he just dropped a nasty curve on him. I, I don't know if Yunel could ever be ready for that 3-2 curve if they threw it four, five more times in the next couple of days. But Ian Desmond, K-swinging after that. Ryan Zimmerman, a patient at back, gets a walk to get it to Taylor again, but he K-swinging there. And that swinging K when you need contact has been a problem for the Nationals and was again. Yeah, and, and that's not just a knack on Taylor. I mean, we saw it from Desmond, too. Um, right. Taylor is a, a low on base, uh, free swinging type of guy. And, um, you know, that's that's who the Nats are. I mean, that's how they've, they've built this team. Um, you know, really, um, it's really pronounced when Denard Stan is out of the lineup because he's he's on base so often when he's in the lineup that when the Nets occasionally you know make contact and hit one out, you know a lot of times he's on base. But um, you know th- that wasn't the problem. The Nets had base runners in the ninth inning, and um, you know just there wasn't enough contact there. Speaking of Denard Stan, any chance you think he joins the team back in the nation's capital tomorrow? Hasn't gotten, I think he's two or three games into his rehab stint. They were rained out in Harrisburg tonight. Do you think they're desperate enough to rush him back up, or do you think they're going to still take their time and make sure he's 100%? Well, here's my best guess on that. Um, I don't think he's going to be 100%, um, you know, whether whether he plays or not. So um, I would hope that they don't rush him. If, if, if he feels like he can't play four or five days in a row, I would hope that they don't rush him back to the active roster. Um, but at this point, who knows? I mean, uh, they're, they're four games back. Um, um, is it four or five now? I, I don't even remember. Um, four, regardless. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's panic time. I mean, it's hard to make up a game a week um, at the end of the season, and that's what the Nats are tasked with now. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see that he gets activated early in the homestand. Uh, whether it's tomorrow, I, I don't know. I would think that they'd want to see him, to see Span play three days in a row before they activate him. I just, like you said, I don't like turning this into Matt Williams bashing every night on our site or on this show, but I think they need to start playing like it is desperate at this point and bringing in a lefty to face a lefty there, even if it blows your pen up and you have to rely on your righties later in the game, I think you have to play that situation and just pretty much every situation going forward here, like your season depends on it because it's getting to the point where it kind of does. 16-60 on the year after the loss tonight, four games back in the NL East, but they got a nice nine-game homestand. They've got the majority of their schedule the rest of the way at home, where they've been very good so far this year, so... Hopefully that can start to turn things around. I think taking two or three out of Colorado is a good start to do that. So we'll see what they can do going forward. 
Jimmy Nelson versus Gio Gonzalez, 7.05 p.m. tomorrow night in National Park. That's nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Hopefully talk to you after the game tomorrow night, sir. Sounds good. Doghouse says go Nats.